0: Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Welcome everyone to the Life as a Coder live. We are here for our October episode. I'm so excited. And I have special guest, Kimberly Jolivet williams Welcome, Kim. So excited to be here. everybody. Yay! To be here. Yay! So exciting. And I love when I get to do this and have my friends on. So um, welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. As you know, my name is Jennifer McNamara and our program is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. And as always, our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management and those tips for work-life balance. If you're a first time viewer or listener, we thank you for that today. We are so excited you're here. Um, we've had a great run this last three seasons, hard to believe we're already in season four. Um, but if yeah. you have not checked us out or you're not a follower, please go to the life as a coder podcast on most podcast stations, or you can visit our website. We have an official website, uh, life where you can sign yay. up to be a Patreon, yay and get CEUs, right? You can listen to all our episodes there. If you're not really a podcast, your podcast app person, and you don't really like do the apps, go right to the website, yep. listen anytime. <laughs> Cause I am not a podcaster. I'm like, I gotta keep going with that, but I am not one. I understand. You know, like when I first started in podcasts, it's like, I, my, my, niece told me about them and she's like, when you're on road trip, you gotta listen to this podcast, Dr. Death. And that's how my first podcast I ever listened to was Dr. Death in Dallas, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. in Dallas. Yay, but, Dallas. <laughs> yeah. And so like, that was the first one I listened to. And then I'm like, this is really cool. And so on all our road trips, my husband and I, that's what we do. We listen to podcasts. And then I started to think like, okay. I like this. Um, and then I was like, I have a lot to say. Maybe I should start one. And then I was, of course, listening to Terry Fletcher, CodeCast podcast, one yes. of my favorite <laughs> podcasts ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's out to my girl, Terry, and then Sanal Patel, another one of my favorite people. Yes, um, love her. You know, paint the medical picture. And so yeah. her and I actually, at the same time in 2020, we kind of both launched our podcast at the same time. So we're kind of always going back and forth to each other. Like, oh, you did great. And like, I asked her like, what should I have done better? And we're just kind of like feeding on each other's uh, energy. So I love it. Um, I do,
1: I actually just did one with Sonal, So that is so funny. I did one with her a couple of weeks ago. And so I told her then, I was like, you and Jennifer are introducing me to this podcast world. You Absolutely. heard Terry, because I do listen to Terry Fletcher every now and then as well.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm the same way. I love it. So like today, uh, I wanted to pick a topic and, you know, you're in this field a little bit with anesthesia, you have that experience and you and I both have talked in the past about maternity and pregnancy stuff. Right. So that's kind of, you know, what I was thinking to go at this with is let's talk about the maternity global billing and anesthesia that comes into play, especially since in February, we're all going to join forces for OBGYN Summit, Right. Yeah, so so I'm really, really excited to talk about that. But again, we do encourage our listeners, get on OBGYNsummit.com, buy your ticket before next week, because on November 1st, early bird prices do, of course, um, they do uh, go up to 199 So grab your low-cost ticket ticket now while you still can um, and get those early bird tickets. We are, of course, making this our first official specialty conference of 2022, since 2020, you know, we've been really into these, these conferences. I and mean, we love, love, love
1: yes. to share. great, affordable education. I've loved them. I've Absolutely. loved participating too. It's been I, I really. just,
0: I love it. Yeah. And Kim has been with me pretty much every time. Kim has been one of those great people that's always been available for most topics that we present. And so we're bringing her back for the maternity, um, the maternity care anesthesia, some of the guidelines for that. So today we're going to talk a little bit about just the basics of anesthesia Um, for those that um, are new to coding or maybe new to anesthesia and maybe interested in it. It's a great area of coding to get into. There is a credential for that, that Kim has, and we'll be glad to talk about if you have any questions. I'm going to talk a little bit about today, the maternity global billing, because as we know, we get into those Medicare fee schedules and we, we think about that and we look, okay, we see these symbols, these indicators, right? So the first thing I want to talk about actually is the fact of those um, indicators, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe you've seen them when you look at that Medicare physician fee schedule, you've got your zero global days, your 10, your 90, Mm -hmm. and then you see those triple M's, the triple X's, the triple Y's, the triple Z's, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really important if you're in reimbursement, if you're a, a Facility manager, office manager, those RCM, right? You have to know that behind the scenes, all that data, right? When the payments come through, you have to know, did I get paid? Right. Did I get what I needed to get? Right. So you need to know that. And so I like to just get digging and I need to know what it means. Right. I'm looking at that fee schedule. I'm looking at that, that thing. Right. And I have to know what does it mean? So obviously, right. We know the 10 day global zero days. That means from the day of that procedure, you have of course, zero days that day, or you have 10 days after that, you don't have Mm -hmm. to, build the patient. It's all included, right? And of course, it tells you, of course, what is included in that, right? And then you have the triple M. So that's what I'm going to talk about because that clearly is um, noted there. It's for maternity codes. So we think global and you're in maternity and you're in the OB world, you know that you have your own global concept. You have your own globals. So it's kind of not in that realm, right? So it means that if anything has those triple M's, it means that that global concept wouldn't apply like it would for like zero or 10 or 90, right? Because it has its own thing that, that it's happening, right? So then the triple is, that means it doesn't apply. So things like labs or x-rays don't have a global concept. And I don't know about you, Kim, but when I see denials or when I see, see codes and there are modifiers on there for things that it doesn't need it for, <laughs> it <laughs> drives me insane, right?
1: It does, right? Abuse okay. of modifiers, we do not want to be guilty of that
0: absolutely not because what if we're going to that happens routinely you're going to mm-hmm. see of course denials you may get audited and then they're going to dig in yeah. right and they're going to look at all your other stuff
1: they are and red flags for sure we don't red want flags
0: all over and so we yeah. don't want that so be very careful I mean we know that some payers for the 25 for instance a lot of times like they want it on there so mm-hmm. payer specific yes if the payer is telling you this is how we want it That's great. But normally do not use a 25 modifier on a, if they're doing something that doesn't have a global concept, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: normally you don't need it unless the payer specifically says, okay, I want that modifier on there.
1: (laughs) Correct. And
0: that's how we think of things. Then you see the triple Ys, right on your fee schedule. That just means that they're going to determine how many global days apply. And that's typically what you'll see if you're unlisted codes, because when you submit an unlisted code, There's no fee attached. They have attached the fee. So they're going to tell you when they get there, what the hell they consider that. So you don't do anything at that point. You just submit the code. You don't need a modifier. You just send it out. Um, And then the triple Z's is, of course, related to another service that's included in that package. So that's like your add on codes, right? So get on the Medicare's website learn about those indicators. And there's indicators for so many things, not just global. There's, of course, the multiple procedure indicators. There's the bilateral indicators. Um, and these are important to know the definitions of if you want to understand your reimbursement. That's what it's all about. Why am mm-hmm. I getting paid this amount? Why is this different? Right. And that's what we're trying to, of course, focus on.
1: Um, Why not? Why am I not getting paid? Right. <laughs> exactly. And so Unless
0: you, you have anything to add to that, Kim? Like, did I miss anything? Like, do you have anything? No, to? That,
1: no I agree. That was perfect. Because I do think in the RCM world for that AR, that account receivables, we do have to be on top of it, especially knowing those uh, RUC and CART codes and how to apply them and understand them. Those are uh, what we need when we do denials as well. So, no, I think you hit it right on.
0: Oh, great. Thanks so much. Yeah. And you know, that's important to know. First of all, you have to know that what that means. So once you're in your maternity world, you know, you have your own package, right? So it's important. Like when we go into just the regular global package, we know a surgical procedure, if it's zero the global package, all the things that are included. And it's really important. Go in your 2021 CPT book, go to page 84. That will give you all of those. Those ind- inclusions, right? What's included, anything outside of that, of course, you can bill for separately outside of that. So a patient comes in, I'm ortho. So patient comes in, their x-rays are not included in that. So I get to bill for their x-rays and explain to them, yes, you had a surgery less than 90 days ago, but you're not getting p- billed for the e service. You're getting billed for an x-ray or something that's not included in that. Mm-hmm. So we have those sheets, those forms that we hand them when they have a surgery. So they understand what's included and what's not. So they don't have a surprise <laughs> when they get a bill. And then for OB, you want to do the same thing. You really want to come up with a form or some kind of, um, you know, uh, handout, right. That you can give yeah. the patient explain, this is what happened. So we know normally in an OB situation, the doctor's really going to be the whole, he's going to do the whole thing. All the prenatal visits, all yeah, the, cool. during the pregnancy visits, the interpartum visits and delivery postpartum care.
1: Yep, that global OB care package. Yes,
0: that's what normally happens.
1: Mm -hmm. Then we have those
0: little caveats, right? What happens where they come see a different doctor for delivery?
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. They move away. Hey, my husband gets this great job and we can't refuse it. So now here I am, six months pregnant. Now I have to (laughs) leave Dallas, Texas, and go to Washington, D.C., right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a totally different area, totally different doctors. And that doctor now has to assume the care and finish that package that the original doctor started, right? And that happens even in surgery, too, when we're in the regular global package. So that happens. And so then you have, of course, the indications, okay, I know this many visits are included, right? Uh, We have codes for that, though. Like, we have the codes, right? If they were seen for less than four visits, we know how to do that, four to six, and then 15 or more. We have that um something that we think about too is um there's certain modifiers that can be used for certain situations um so get to know your modifiers and payer specific modifiers sometimes i know our specifically our Arkansas Medicaid they have their own modifiers for different mm-hmm. things and if we don't know about them then we're going to get a denial and not know why we're like mm-hmm. that modifier is not my cpt book <laughs> That's right. Because they created their own. So always look at your payer to see if they have their own modifier.
1: Yeah. And Texas Medicaid is like that too. They uh-huh. have your own med- modifiers for certain things as well. Mm-hmm. Like that U7. So yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And then we have what happens where sometimes a woman has more than one child at the same time. We call that a multiple of gestations, right? right. So yeah. then you have to understand how to bill for that. So you have to determine okay what is going on for baby a what's going on for baby b or if there's more down the line we know that people can have more than two
1: than three. bless their heart
0: i <laughs> oh, bless their heart i can't even imagine you know the,
1: there's it's like a, there's a family a one at a time.
0: <laughs> yeah there's a family here locally that they're well known for having eight babies like they're Ooh. known in arkansas for that
1: Oh my goodness. We even had
0: like a show on HGTV or one of those about them. And they live here locally in Arkansas. So oh
1: really wow. Yeah. Yes. Oh.
0: yeah so <laughs> that was a one thing I thought about was like that family, how I would code that. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, so there's that. And then um you have things like, oh, is it a vaginal delivery? Is it a C section? Um it's so complex. And, you know, you go into coding thinking, Oh, it's going to be cut and dry This is on my test. I can handle this. But then you get into the, in the office and you have no idea about all the insurance and the requirements, the coverage policies.
1: That's that real world experience. It's nothing like it when you get in there. Cause yeah, we, you even have the vaginal to C-section, those v bags, you know, so you have to know all those different ones when you get in that real world.
0: Absolutely. Now, um, there's other modifiers, too, I want to point out uh, when it comes to, like, the assistance. So I know for me, sometimes when I'm coding, not just OB and, and or even just OBGYN, like if there's a gynecological procedure for a female, sometimes that physician will do something or there's a complication that happens and another surgeon has to come in. And they have to now assist that provider based on their specialty, right? Mm-hmm. So always remember your AS and your AD modifiers or even your 81s and 82s. Don't forget those because um, that affects reimbursement, right? It affects because another surgeon's coming in now and you may bill for that surgeon or maybe your surgeon is only doing a portion of something. So you need to be aware of that.
1: Yes. And hopefully that documentation you want to look into and make sure it's there to support. Why did they need that assist? That's crucial too when you're absolutely uh, claims.
0: Yeah, Yes, absolutely. So get to know your codes, get to know, of course, the delivery codes, get to know the OB gold package codes and then how you have to separate that out, um, how you bill for different babies um, and all that stuff. Now, there is like different types of specialties within OB, too, because you have your maternal fetals. Um, you're perinatologists, <laughs> right? Have you ever worked for any of those or have you had experience with any of those?
1: Yes, when I worked for the OBGYN office, we did a lot of referrals to those uh, maternal fetal medicine doctors. Um, we worked very closely with them uh, with my OBGYN OB practice that I was in. So yes, um, I had experience as far as referrals and getting that supporting information and knowing that they're going back and forth because we would treat them simultaneously. For yes, those yes. Mm-hmm. When I
0: think about the global period, again, going back to that, just make sure you understand it, um, the different things, the problems that um, can happen. And then also look at your documentation to make sure you understand what's not related to it things that maybe not related to that that delivery, but maybe that's going on with you personally, you as the woman, (laughs) things that you're dealing with that can be considered unrelated conditions. So if you need to apply the 24 modifier, for instance, there are situations for that. And Mm -hmm. um, I was doing research on this and I found some really great blogs on AAPC's website from some really great consultants. Um, Arlene Smith, for one, is one of my favorite people. And she's gonna be speaking at our conference at OBGYN. She spoke at our virtual summit this past year um, on urology, and she has been an OB forever. So she has so much knowledge. So I'm bringing her back um, for the OB-GYN summit in February. And so she's going to talk about all of this with you guys. She's going to educate us on all that. Um, We're going to have topics on radiology. We're going to talk about the ultrasounds. We're going to talk about how you understand the ultrasounds. On the different things that come in play there. So now what do you think about those ultrasound codes? Like what is one of the things if you could say, like what would you think would be the best thing to talk about with those?
1: I just know that there's different ones. And so, you know, you. I remember when I was in the OB world, we had to know when it was a gin versus an OB sonogram because those are different. And the, even the measurements and the requirements of what the son- sonographer have to capture is different. And so that's the one thing I do remember, uh, knowing the difference between that you have to build a OB for OB patients and what those codes are versus the GEN and the GEN patients and what those codes are, because they're okay. different code sets. Mm-hmm.
0: Great, great. That's good to know. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to have a radiology person um, kind of come on and talk about Um, Some of those billing requirements on radiology um, and talk about some of the things that practices can do to improve their revenue and improve that information for um, their practices, understanding that because you have multiple gestations, multiple you know, yes. babies sometimes, and that
1: can affect those things. Mm-hmm. And that's all very, very great knowledge. Um, it's always relevant, especially if you're in the GYN OB world to know those things. So that'll be a great talk. I'm excited to hear about that.
0: Yes, I am too. I'm really excited. Now, <laughs> of course, 2021 did not leave us alone with challenges. We know that e changes came in the middle of the pandemic. And we had to, even though we had plenty of time to prepare, it seems like a lot of us still were unprepared because we're like, is this really going to happen? Because other things in the past have said they would happen. They didn't actually come when they said they would, Mm -hmm. but no, the 2021 changes came exactly when they said they would. (laughs) And we had to fall in line and and, and know this. So a lot of us consultants out there have done what a lot of education, a lot of uh, podcasts and webinars and so many conferences, we've talked about this. They really hit it hard at HealthCon in Dallas this last year. They're mm-hmm. probably going to hit it hard again um, in D.C. coming up. Mm-hmm. So I hope a lot of you will be attending um, in D.C. with Kim and I will be there. And, um, of course, there'll be virtual as well, of course. Yes, we'll yes. and I
1: love the virtual. I actually, I went, you know, to Dallas for HELCON um, because we had our officers piece and we all got together the first day. But the rest of the conference, I did virtual and I love yeah. the virtual. It was so oh, well yeah so well organized. You had all the handouts. Um, you could see the speakers. We didn't have any, any streaming interference. It was a really great experience.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you said that because like I was there per- in person and I know like there was maybe like 20 or 30 people in the room. And so then um, I had all like a hundred people that were of course watching me virtual. And so I didn't get to really interact with them that much. So I was like, okay, I know you're there, but I was like, I hope I <laughs> got good feedback. <laughs>
1: Yes, it, it was great yeah and you were phenomenal I oh thank it. you yes it was a great time
0: I look forward to doing it again I'm really honored that I got asked back I was kind of like yeah. I know that doesn't happen all the time where you get asked back two years in a row so I feel really privileged yeah, and very excited nice. for that um so yeah that's gonna be a great time now with the 2021 changes you know a lot of practices that are specialty specifically like this one they were concerned mm-hmm. okay how is this going to affect things because and I'm going to talk about this of course um at Decision Health in um, Orlando next month about mm-hmm. e and the 25 modifier because a lot of people are concerned it really affects especially this practice when you have so much of your of your office uh, charges are e right that's most of your practice and you're concerned about how this is going to affect things because of documentation and the 25 modifier if you do other procedures at the same time things are a little bit different. So what I, when I do my research and talking to people, I don't know if you found the same, I really had to dig in and think about and look at that table because you have to look at it and think, okay, look, at your documentation is this procedure. Okay. I'm ordering this procedure. That's in my risk table, right? And that's where my ordering happens, Mm -hmm. but do I have enough to carve out just like we do like in our preventative visits, right? You have to have that carve out. Mm-hmm. In order to say, okay, I'm going to build both of these together at the same time, there has to be a carve out with that. There has to be something I can carve out. And so I'm looking at, okay, is my diagnosis there? Mm-hmm. And am I doing x-rays? Are I doing anything outside of what's normally included in the global package? Because you're thinking, okay, this procedure normally has an e visit included in it. They yeah. all do, right? That's
1: yes, right. Yep. And you definitely want to make sure it's above because that whole modifier 25 is saying that it's significant that you're billing that modifier 25. So you, your documentation, you're right, have to be able to be carved out to support the, the significant difference from what- Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's, it's so important. And so that's one of the things that I, this is really horrible guys. I've got this puppy in here and making all kinds of noise. I'm going to have to have my podcast guy. You just kind of edit all this out anyway. So that's one of the things I want to talk about. And then part B news um, did have an article on this last year. That was really um, great talking about some of the um, problems. And this is from ACOG. So if you follow ACOG, um, Mm -hmm. that's the official website for anything, OBGYN, get on ACOG and take care of, of that. Get on there and get that information.
1: Yes ma'am.
0: So now I wanted to take some time and I wanted to talk to Kimberly um, and interview her a little bit and uh, talk about that and I know you know there's so much to know so much to talk about but we of course want to um, learn all we can about everything that's involved um, with OBGYN and that of course. Includes anesthesia services because you do have to understand that whether you work for anesthesiologists or, or you work in the facility, right? Um, let me ask you, Kim. Get to know you a little bit. For those that don't know you, how long have you been in healthcare?
1: So I've been in healthcare actually over twenty years. Uh, I know I look so young, but <laughs> ah, you do. I've been in it over 20 years. Um, It's been great, uh, and I've enjoyed it, and I'm a lifetime learner, so I love that, and I love this industry because it allows that. It's like I'm always learning, always trying to get certified because I do believe if you're going to teach it, if you're going to educate on it, you should be certified in it, so I'm constantly challenging myself to do that.
0: That's awesome. You know, I'm the same way. Um, You've, of course, been in health for longer than me, and and But I feel like we all have um, our strengths and your strengths, of course, you have a really good um, knowledge of anesthesia. And of course, we know cardiovascular, and you've yeah. been in maternity and OBGYN, so you have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how many years have you coded for anesthesia and maternity specifically?
1: Yes. So I worked for OBGYN practice for about eight years and I was their insurance department manager. So um, I loved it. It was actually a great experience early on in my career. And I was in a small practice with about four OBGYN doctors um, and two stenographers and um, some uh, APPs. And it helped me because I was able to do all facets of the office. So it exposed me to billing. I did payment posting. I denials, I did pre-certification, and I also did coding, and I did, you know, auditing, and looking at that documentation. So because the office was so small, I don't know if many of you know, when you work in a small office, you tend to do everything. I even answered the phones, did check in and out when there wasn't staff to do it. So you kind of was in all aspects. So I did that for about eight years. And then I went into anesthesia and I did that for almost two years. And I'm going to tell you, anesthesia is a beast of its own. Mm -hmm. So when I got into it, it was like I was learning all over again. I had to throw away all the knowledge and the coding and all those eight years of experience I knew from the surgical side, from the physician side of maternity and OBGYN to retrain my brain for anesthesia because it's a totally different beast and it's coded differently.
0: I totally understand. I think it's like when you switch specialties like that and you, you have to understand all the ins and outs of it, right? Definitely. Well, when you're coding anesthesia, like, you know, anything like that, I feel like you have to have organization, like without organization, you'll go crazy. And I've done that to myself so many times when I went into like orthopedics or when I went into GI and I, I was doing three or four different specialties at once. I was like, without that organization, you're going to go crazy and be like, oh, I'm coding this now. I have to shift my thoughts. So Absolutely. what are some organizational steps that you recommend taking before you start coding something like anesthesia or even OB and maternity?
1: Yes. Well, the first thing I recommend with everybody is I say you want to open up your ICD-10 book, open up your CPT book, and I recommend reading those organ system guidelines, codes, get familiar and intimate with those sections. Because, again, with maternity, if you don't know the rules, you don't know how maternity is built, you don't know what those guidelines are, it's easy for you to make mistakes. So I say go to the basics. We learned from our ICD-10 and our CPT and our Hixpix books. Those are our guides in this industry. Start with those and then go to your societies. There's always a society. You mentioned ACOL, That is the Society for Maternity and GYN. Go to there. Make sure you understand. Go to um, ASA, which is the uh, Society for Anesthesia And make sure you understand what those maternity billing guidelines are for anesthesia. You have to know those ins and outs and make sure you are familiar because, again, when you get into that new arena with that different beast, your success is going to be determined on knowing those rules, knowing those guidelines and how to apply them.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. And that's one of the things what I love about coding is that you can just do almost anything and you get bored with something, you can switch to that. And I've always been a, a, a huge advocate for not staying inside your box and growing with the industry because I started out in radiology, actually. That's my very first specialty. And then I went into orthopedics. And from there, I went into GI, general surgery, ophthalmology, urology. I mean, like I had a time I, I look back and I'm like, How did I have my hands in so many things? And I think I just didn't turn down opportunities. I just yeah. thought, Okay, the more I tackle, the more experience I'm going to get. And I know at some point in my career, this is going to benefit me.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I, yeah. I agree with you, knowledge is power. Yep. And That's what I always take... say on my podcast, <laughs> knowledge, is knowledge is power, girl. And I tell everybody, No one can take that power away from you. And I definitely always see people saying, I want a free CEU. I want free. I want free. And I tell them don't free is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about free, but don't be afraid to invest in yourself financially, because once you get that knowledge, once you get that power, you're going to be rewarded. And that success is going to come and no one can take that knowledge away from you because it is exactly.
0: And that it's, it's so much more valuable than money. I mean, yeah." money is required to make things work like a hospital they require they need us as coders and billers to make things run because if we don't get the bills paid or if we don't get the claims paid then they can't provide services so it's it's a it's a machine that has to keep running and a lot of people saw my recent post on LinkedIn I'm just you know I'm not that I'm not trying to help coders I am but I'm just afraid for so many coming to the industry that are so misled. Like, Mm -hmm. for instance, I have so many people that are misled by the the institution they're going to get learning from that don't tell them the credentials that most employers want. And then they go for the wrong one. And then they Mm -hmm. get disheartened because they spent all this money and they're not even going to be able to get a job. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case, but it does disservice Mm -hmm. you when you don't know where to go for education mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of great educators out there and um, mm-hmm. you know like you and me and then others that we know and so there's a lot of room for all of us to learn and to get into the education space um, but just make sure you're prepared for what's ahead of you uh, having great knowledge like you said is more valuable than CEUs we have to have them but just think about this you get your your CEUs from APC, for instance you, those aren't technically free. Those are included in the membership that you pay for every year to stay active as a coder. Just like nurses and doctors have to keep up their, their credentials. They have to go to education every year. We all do in That's healthcare. Right. We all have to keep that. Anytime you have a certification of any kind, <laughs> you don't get just to keep it indefinitely. You have to keep learning and to keep that credential,
1: right? That's right. That's right. Like I said, lifetime learners, right? And, and you're right, we do pay for it one way or another. It's not free. Um, even the ones that you think are free, they're not free. You, you have to use them. You have to apply. You have to, you know, put in the work to even retain it so that you can use it su- successfully. So yes, I, I agree with that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I, you know, we spend a pretty penny to offer these to everybody. But there's time too. like think of all the time that it takes to create webinars, to create content. And if we give you a free webinar, we've lost all of that revenue and we, that's our livelihood. That's how we take care of our families. And so when I'm, a, when you do RCM, like revenue cycle management, you can't just look at what gets paid by the insurance. You have to look at what it's costing you. Like the time yeah. you pay employees, the staffing,
1: yeah, that mm-hmm. those MTEs, so, yeah. You know, and and we always think about that, especially even the time, like you said, is it worth putting in that time to do it? Because I'm like you, I I just offered a free uh, CEU um, I think it was three actually in October where I got the Novitas ladies to come in and we did a webinar for three hours, but you're right. That took time on my part. That took time on their part. We all had to take time to prepare for that and then to put in the time to do the three hours. So you do have to weigh it. Is it, you know, it, are you doing it for the good? And when you are do it for the good, is it worth, you know, the investment of time is not always about the monetary. It, mm-hmm. It's just, you, you have to, you know, sacrifice your time to do it because that's time away from, you know, me even being with my granddaughter Sage, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: me, me, not being able to spend time with my husband or my puppy, like that's that's my yeah. world. Those are my two people in my world right now that mean the most to me. So like that is time away from from that environment. So I understand yeah. completely. My
1: husband, yes, because his hours are so crazy. Our schedules are weird. You know, he worked those 12 hour days and he leaves like 4.30 in the morning. Oh, and wow. those- seven in the evening so it's like when I get my my quality time with him I treasure it
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah I totally agree and then when I think about all the research that goes in into any kind of, of training we have to have that research but one thing I always say is where are you getting your information from when you do that research are you going to those authoritative sources and you know, we have to have, like, as consultants, we have to have liability insurance there. Um, we have to have the the um, errors and emissions insurance. So if we say something and give advice, we're covered in case someone decides, oh, they gave me this advice, they could sue you, but whatever. <laughs> so
1: we have to make sure that we can offer the best advice. Okay. Because but- I tell them. <laughs> and yeah. I tell them. It's your onus. You make sure you go and fact check me, validate me. You know, I let them know I did my diligence to make sure I try to give you the relevant information and the correct accurate information, but don't just take it from me, go validate it. Do that for yourself. Absolutely, because
0: that's how you're going to learn. And like, you know, there's that saying that you have to, of course, teach a person how to fish, you don't like, you know, do that for them, because if they can learn to do it themselves, then that's more valuable than just doing it for them, right? Yes, because um, I tell them, there's yeah. no
1: way then Kimberly said, or Jennifer said, when you go, especially with a physician, that's not going to have a lot of power for you. You're going to need that, that authoritative source.
0: <laughs> yes, they want to know where did you get the information and they want to see it in their, in their, in their hands. So um, when I'm on social media groups and they ask for these things, it's always my, my focus is to give you that information. So whether it's, of course, obviously CMS is an authority. Uh, if you look at the front of your ICD-10 book, for instance, in the opening pages, it tells you who the um, cooperating parties are that come up with the guidelines, not the codes, but the guidelines. Um, and you see those organizations like AHIMA. You see CMS in there, right? Um, you have the American Hospital Association, which has coding clinic. A lot of great information. So if you don't have that, it's really beneficial if your organization can put that in your budget every year it's going to save you so much going to give you that information that you need to be accurate mm-hmm. and then of course there's cpt um assistant by yes. ama very yes. important so when it comes to your professional C- fee coders that use cpt get the A- ama cpt assistant they have an app i i use it every day practically <laughs>
1: i know i just used it
0: myself
1: <laughs> yes. yeah i use it all I, the time yes i love that app i love that quick reference app, yes. Yes, I ordered my 2022 CPT coding manual with that app because I'm like, I need yep. that app. Okay. You
0: gotta have it, yeah. And so, and a lot of times in encoders, like we have encoder pro in our organization yes. and then we just have to add on the um, the add-ons, right? For CPT assistant and the encoding clinic. So yes. that we can have access to that, you know, if our, if our clients or providers have a question, we can print those articles out or get that information to them right from the source. And this is, this is what we can show you is, is authoritative. Yes. And, and
1: other too, yeah. um, you can do the same thing with AAPC Codify. I, I use that as well. And with Codify, you can have those add-ons too. So should look into that because I use Encoder Pro for my job as well, but um, I get codified because I'm a a virtual learning instructor with AAPC and I have that PMCC license you do too. So, you know, we get codified with that and you can do add-ons for um, CPT and things like that with them as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And we know that even if we do the best efforts, do all the research, there are still guidelines from our insurance companies. So, um, what are there specific guidelines that you've come across that maybe you wanna maybe highlight when it comes to anesthesia services that we can be aware of with insurance companies?
1: Oh, definitely. There's definitely almost every payer. I know for sure CMS has a whole center that they dedicate to anesthesia. It's called the Anesthesiology Center and Mm -hmm. Novitas does the same. Um, I recommend they get out there and even um, go to CMS and look up chapter 12, Mm -hmm. um, section 50 that covers anesthesiology for obstetrics. And that's a good one to go to as well because um, they all have those authoritative sources. And those are the ones that can give you those good resources, um, and then even industry people um, that I know of that can help you break down those policies and guidelines. There's a lady that I love. Her name is Kelly Dennis, hmm. and she does YouTube and she has a website. Um, her website is um, what is it? I wrote it down. Uh, Perfect Office Solutions. Okay. And she- and she does a lot of uh, anesthesiology education, and she's very good, and she's a work, um, has real work-life experience, too, because, you know, sometimes we need that for those challenges that we face with those peers and the peer guidelines and how to break them down and interpret them and then apply them correctly, so she's a great source for that as well.
0: Absolutely, that's great to know, because if you're in that world, you need to know who to go to that has that that guidance, and yeah. The organization yeah. that I am connected with, um, we always try to put out the, the, the information to help as many people as possible. So if you're out there wanting to be a consultant, wanting to get into the education field, like just make sure that you have access to authoritative guidance and that you are a researcher because mm-hmm. you don't want someone to come back to you and say, you know, why didn't you do it this way? Well, I didn't
1: know. Yeah, you told me wrong. Because I'm gonna tell you, even um, I I know a lot of people steer away from Facebook, but Mm -hmm. there's also an anesthesiology group on Facebook. And I even reamed out to some of my colleagues um, on that group for anesthesia to get advice um, about different denials and challenges. And it's just great to get that. But again, like you said, you have to fact check it and you have to do your research. You have to make sure that Information you're disseminating is correct because you don't want to steer anyone around uh, down that wrong hole. And even working with physicians as closely as I do and have, you want to make sure you're giving them, them the right information. Because all it takes is that one time for mm-hmm. you to misinform them, and yep. then now you no longer have that confidence in you. Mm-hmm. And it's so much harder to get it back than it is to maintain it. You definitely Absolutely. you don't want to lose that. So make sure you're giving out that right information.
0: I totally agree. That happened to me recently. You know, I'm getting ready to speak at Decision Health and there was an orthopedic group update for a CPT assistant. And, you know, somebody did point out the point out the article, but I had to go myself and look at it because I didn't want to just take what they said. And lo and behold, it wasn't exactly how it was portrayed. And it was nice. I was able to go on CPT Assistant and realize that it wasn't that different than what I was already going to talk about. So I was able to just make a couple changes in the wording that reflected the new CPT Assistant article that just came out in September. Mm -hmm. So that way I felt, okay, I have it from the source, from CPT Assistant. I know exactly what was trying to be portrayed and I understood it. So that's why it's like, you can take what those people say, you know, what they find, but go yourself, read it for yourself, because it may be a completely different situation that you're dealing with. And you need to know exactly what that
1: says and how it affects your current op report or your current situation. Yes. And don't, don't even apologize for that. Cause you know, yes. sometimes I used to apologize and say, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go look at this, but don't apologize mm-hmm. because that is making sure that you're credible. You want to make sure you ensure that what you're giving is the right information. You're disseminating correct things. So. I say, don't be ashamed and don't apologize for fact checking and validating that information yourself. Yes,
0: absolutely, and we will be putting in our show notes the information that you that, um, to direct you to the right sources. Like Kimberly mentioned on CMS's website, the anesthesia area that you can go to if you're if you're needing guidance for that. And um, I know there is official guidance too, f- specifically for the anesthesia coding. They have an organization that that's designed just for that, just like ACOG is for uh, yeah. the maternity. So-
1: Mm-hmm. AOS, the Ortho.
0: yeah they all have their own
1: yep, yep. that's the asa um the uh, anesthesia society yeah asa yes. and i will give you their website as well and they have tons of good guidance on there uh for you because you know anesthesia uh, when you code for it there's unique things to the coding manuals for anesthesia so mm-hmm. um, you get resources from asa as well
0: yes i remember when i worked my very first job as a biller Um, we had worked in a hospital billing system for the hospital and, um, called CBO central billing office. And they had a, just the five or six girls that was anesthesia and they had their special little book (laughs) that they had for anesthesia codes Mm -hmm. and stuff. And we have codes in the CPT book, but they had their own like coding manual reference. And
1: so, yeah, we have, uh, two additional coding manuals. Um, and I'll talk about those in detail in February and show yeah, but yeah, you definitely have, we have our own little manuals and you have to understand those and know how to use them because they work differently um, from CPT and ICD-10 and hics Um It's not hard to understand, but they are different and you want to know how to apply those correctly. Absolutely.
0: And I know you're going to talk about reimbursement challenges, but if you could just give us maybe a couple things that you've run across um, that maybe can help and point people in the right direction if they've had those same challenges um, to improve reimbursement for anesthesia.
1: Well, I know sometimes we get confused, especially when you're dealing with OB um, mm-hmm. and BYN. Knowing for OB, when you're supposed to use the OB diagnosis versus the other gen diagnosis, because you know when a patient is pregnant, Chapter 15 trumps everything. Yeah, with OB diagnosis, and just making sure those um, there are issues with post-op pain blocks when you have that product surgeon's request. But you have to make sure that documentation is in order for them to be able to follow through with that. And um, another thing is making sure you code those weeks of gestation Mm -hmm. and and, uh, the outcome, all of those. And the unique thing about anesthesia is with the CPT codes for anesthesia, every time you file a claim, you have a modifier. Because those modifiers indicate the provisional uh, physician Mm -hmm. versus the supervision uh, physician and that status, whether you're using the anesthesiologist versus the CRNA, are they being supervised? Are they doing medical direction? Did you use moderate sedation, MAC, for the procedure? All of those modifiers are applicable and you have to put them on and apply them appropriately in order for your claim to get reimbursed.
0: Absolutely. And then it goes back to me, like getting organized with your manuals, because so many people don't realize not all the modifiers are in CPT, the Hicks Picks manual, uh, the healthcare common procedural coding system governed by Medicare, they have their own manual which you have to take with you on an exam, and is their modifiers are in there and that's where you're going to find that information so always know where you can find things, because Without organization, you're going to lose a lot of time (laughs) and time is valuable in our world because, you know, we were paid by time or our physicians are relying on us to get those bills out because that's their revenue. So time is very valuable. Get organized so that we can understand that. Um, So how would you say anesthesia is different than other areas of CPT? Like, how would you say why it's different?
1: Well, what I will say, you know, anesthesia, one thing I say is different is when you look at anesthesia, all of our little anatomy organ systems are in our little section. Mm -hmm. Unlike CPT, there's an organ system section for each organ system. So you have musculoskeletal, you have cardiovascular, you have all that. But when it comes to anesthesia, all of ours are in that 00100 through 01999. No matter what area it is, you're going to get your code from those five codes in that section. Also, those physical status modifiers, those qualifying circumstance modifiers, those are unique to anesthesia. You won't use those with any other code sets in CPT. Those are only for the anesthesiology codes. And so you have to know that. And then um, you have to know terms like ASA. They refer to a lot of those codes as ASA because of the American Society of Anesthesia for those physical status classifications and those qualifying circumstances. But that is a unique thing to anesthesia. You don't have those used with any other code sets in the CPT coding manual.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love, it's so nice to have you on because you have such a wealth of knowledge in this area. And I'm going to be honest, I have never touched Anesthesia Billionaire. Thank you so much. Not one time have I touched it. So it's great to have people like you that kind of help understand it. And you know, I teach the basics. Obviously I teach the certified professional coder curriculum for AAPC um, and we teach those things, but. I teach what's in the book. Like, this is what it is. Find your guidelines, read the guidelines. This is how you, but then that's, that's not the end though. Like for me, I passed my exam in 2012 and I had no experience in any specialty at that point other than radiology. So, yeah. And so when I went into it, I had to decide where do I want to go? And then from there, I mean, I've been in orthopedics for eight, nine years. And so I learned most of what I know just by being specialized and then in anesthesia. You're going to learn so much more once you're specialized. You're going to dig into those policies, those procedures. Yes,
1: that real life working experience is the best teacher. Mm, I uh, love it. There's nothing like it. Uh, looking at those reports because, again, I had done a lot of coding and billing before I got to the anesthesiology arena, but I had to forget all about that. I never forget my my trainer. Uh, she used to tell me all the time. Um, I had to three, two, three main trainers in my, when I first started anesthesia, and they used to say all the time, forget that prophy world, forget that surgical coding, anesthesia doesn't work that way. And I had to keep telling myself that because it is unique and it's a unique specialty and you have to learn and get those guidelines and apply them.
0: Yes. And I know we're going to talk about, especially at the conference, it's maternity services, anesthesia that's what you're going to be focusing on. So I think everyone really benefit from that. And um, especially if you're in anesthesia, you'd probably know already that maternity services ha- have their own unique challenges yes. um, when it comes to that. So Kim is your girl. She's going to educate you on that. Um, and I want to just kind of highlight really quickly um, some of the things you can look to expect there. Again, it's www.obgynsummit.com. And yeah, we have Kimberly Jolivet Williams of uh, Jolivet Medicoding Institute talking about anesthesia for maternity. I will be your PCS girl inpatient coder uh, guidelines. So I'm going to talk about some of the nuances for the PCS coding, the procedures for inpatient, you know, the difference between the the medical and surgical section. And then of course, um, the course OB section, right? And then we have my favorite person, of course, for e Now, I, I, I love e too, but I love hearing Betty Hovey talk about e oh She is just, a, and she was with Karen Zubko. And so she has so much knowledge. She now has her own company,
1: yes, Applying Healthcare
0: Solutions. She's great. So she's going to, uh, and she's also an ICD-10 expert as well. And so she'll be talking about ICD-10-CM. Uh, and, of course, the EM challenges for 2021 and beyond. We know there's, we're not done.
1: 2023
0: That's is going to bring its own challenges, right?
1: Right. We're lifetime learners, right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I'm just so, so enthralled that I got Shannon DeConda of oh, Doctors oh Management and NAMIS to be our compliance educator for the conference. Yes. So I just That's love her.
1: and awesome. oh, um, I love Shannon and I love her so much. And I, I just feel so special to be with these elite presenters. I tell okay. you, I don't even know how this happened,
0: Kim, like, you know what you and I've been talking even before I started my conferences, I was just looking for someone to guide me on cardiovascular services. At the time I was just a regular coder like everybody else. I wasn't an educator yet.
1: And I, know, I was
0: I- learning um, how to code for those catheters and stuff. And like, I was like, I don't know, understand this. And you helped me. And then we just started this, this partnership down the road, just helping each other. And then we, you and I decided let's do a conference because COVID's here. And, and then lo and behold, you know, you reached out to Barbara Kabuzi, yeah. I don't know if you reached out to her, or she reached out to, or to you, but, and then all of a sudden Terry Fletcher got involved and Jordan Johnson. And now my whole world has changed I know, and I'm, I'm just, <laughs> And you dragged me along with you. <laughs> I love dragging you along with me, Kim. I think it's awesome. Oh, I love going.
1: I love going. I am not kicking and screaming. I we are it. going
0: on a road trip together with this whole conference <laughs> thing. Um, but I'm excited um, for the journeys that are ahead of me. I have a lot of great things um, coming with um, with Ozark and um, my career in 2022. A lot of things happening. So OBGYN is not the only conference we have, of course. I've been talking about this. We have Terry Fletcher coming back in April. April
1: 23rd. Cardiovascular. She is a phenomenon in teaching cardiovascular learning for her. From her, it's just priceless, and your price is so affordable. Uh, Conferences like you're putting on with her normally are in the thousands. And so, your price is so affordable. I recommend everybody jump on that.
0: Yeah, and they're virtual, you know, so you don't have to go buy a hotel. You don't have to travel. But um, we are looking in 2022 with things opening up a little bit. We are looking at some of our conferences to be hybrid, but we're, we're working on the organization of that. Prices mm-hmm. won't be as cheap as they've been, but they're yeah. still going to be within your reach and mm-hmm. way you know, just amazing. You're going to be able to, to attend these conferences and, and and get the education you need. Stacy Buck, of course, is going to be our, our interventional radiologist expert um, at that conference. Pediatric,
1: yes. is I'm coming so excited. She's actually speaking at the colloquium in November. Yes, for me. Yes, I'm excited about that. Stacy yes. Buck, another one that's very, very, very well, phenomenal, outstanding teacher
0: absolutely i'm looking forward to it. and i get to actually have lunch with her in florida next week yeah. i'm just like super excited so yeah. yeah i'm looking forward to that and then we also of course have pediatric coming um we have jessica miller who actually is great um because she actually spoke on pediatrics actually at healthcon in 2020 um yeah. so she's excellent one of my, my good friends and we always bring her in for gi too so she's a gi girl a gas girl so i love i love jessica so she's coming back and then we have I fangirl, and you know, I've, I've said this many times, Rhonda Buckholes. Yes. I mean, like, her name has been in my head since I started learning ICD-10 back in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. I have known about this woman. In 2018, I got to meet her first, first time ever at a conference in Orlando, mm-hmm. and then like, this last year, I got to hear her speak at HealthCon, and then I was like, I don't know, would she do it? I should just reach <laughs> out, and
1: she's just a person, right? <laughs> just like me. And- She is so nice and approachable. She's so wonderful. She did uh one of our symposiums here locally for our local chapter. She flew in and everything. She was so approachable, so nice. Everybody loved her. She is another great phenomenon. I love her, Ron uh, Buckles. But yes, she spoke at our local chapter when we were able to do our on-site symposiums. I think it was either 2017 or 2018. It was awesome.
0: Yes, and I'm, I'm just so excited that she's agreed and she's going to be great. So like our focus in 2022, we want to cover everything. So we're doing anatomy, ICD-10, ENM, Surgery, billing, and we're doing, of course, compliance. So we're going to touch almost every topic that every clinic, every hospital, whatever we probably have to touch mm-hmm. so that every person that comes to our conferences has a well-rounded understanding of that specialty. So you can take that back to your practices and really understand all the ins and outs uh, mm-hmm. of that specialty. So we're bringing back, of course, oncology again with Jordan Johnson, and we have some other speakers coming. And Betty's coming back again to talk about ic 10 of course.
1: Yes. And Jordan is so funny if you I watch like him it. he is a hoot
0: <laughs> oh, he <laughs> is he is yeah Jordan and our buddies I I just am so grateful that I've been connected with him he's made my yes. career skyrocket he knows yes
1: and you connected me with him and I love it he's been such a phenomenon he too is a speaker for the colloquium uh November 6th and 7th so yes, yes. I'm so excited that he agreed so he is and he is hilarious yes uh, that's a, he will you will it. not
0: want to miss that colloquium just for the fact alone you've got stacy buck you've got jordan johnson i mean like those are people that you have to hear speak in your lifetime
1: christine hall is there Oh, christine
0: hall yes all my favorite people i love her and coding with uh coffee and coding
1: whoever her her uh, yes. So, yes she's actually going to do it tomorrow morning on youtube so they should chime in yes um I'm going to be doing a pitch for the JM Scott Colloquium on there too. So Yay, I well,
0: I'll check that work. out myself. And then, um, yeah. and everyone of course knows I'm Miss Ortho and that's my baby. So I could not let the year go by without adding the orthopedic and then we're done for the year. So from February to July, that's it guys. You're, that's all I'm doing. And then we're gonna take a break, but Ortho on July 16th. And we haven't decided if it's going to be one or two days yet, but hopefully we can get enough. And that is the one that I'm really pushing for to be hybrid. I really love to be in front of people. I like to interact in person. So I'm hoping by July, we can get more people to attend in person. And I, I'm guessing it might be in Dallas. I'm not sure that's where I'm pushing for it to be, Um, but we will, because that's where, you know, I'll be, I'll have an office there at that point. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to be there and organize things a little more.
1: I love it. I love it. I would definitely be there. It would be so great to have you in Dallas. (laughs) Yes.
0: That's what I'm hoping for. So no, don't, don't quote me on this because it's not set in stone, but that's what I'm pushing for guys. Um, Otherwise, yes, it'll be virtual. All of it's virtual, be hybrid. Um, But yeah, we're going to have Dr. Headley's coming back to speak about anatomy. He was at our last conference. Everyone was blown away at listening to him talk about the musculoskeletal anatomy. He's such a great Speaker, and he's a he's a he's an ER physician. He knows his stuff, and he knows the anatomy, and he can really open your mind. If you're an mm-hmm. orthopedic coder, you got to hear him speak. He's so great, and mm. uh, yeah, I'll be back. Of course, I'm I'm going to speak for sure. Jessica Burke will be there, uh, and we're hoping to get Terry. We'll see if she can uh, come back for us, but we're still in the planning of that. If you have questions or ideas, or Things you want to hear at these conferences are still time to give yeah. us your questions. Yeah. Tell and us-
1: Jeffrey, another speaker, I forget, we, we're using all these great phenomena. She's speaking too for the colloquium. Anyway. Yay!
0: <laughs> we're all coming together to make this a great, great uh, event. Yes. Yeah. So definitely check that out and we'll have that in our show notes uh, as well. So you can connect with that conference and our upcoming conferences. Um, And again, this episode is for our VIP and our all access members the Patreon squad. So head over to patreon.com slash life as a coder. If you want to get CEUs for listening to our podcasts. And we of course love to offer that for those that want to become members and um, and join us on this journey. We want to keep offering these podcast episodes to you. So please support us. Please join the Patreon squad and help us out. Uh, So I thank you for joining today, Kimberly. It's been such an honor and a privilege to have you with us today. Uh, I know there's other things you could be doing, but thank you for for being here with us.
1: Absolutely. And I definitely want to tell everybody, look up the Jorgovet Medicoding Institute Colloquium. It's on training. Uh, dot jmcipro.com and it's November 6th and 7th. It's an affordable rate for about 16 to 19 CEUs. So make sure you look us up and attend if you can. It's virtual. So you can sit back, grab your coffee and relax and get all the education you like. Absolutely. Well this
0: has been the Life is a Coder podcast. It's always our goal to inspire, to educate. And I always say knowledge is power. The knowledge you gain today makes you powerful tomorrow. Never give up on coding, keep learning and keep growing. Uh, So I want to thank our sponsors, Ozark Coding Alliance and our amazing podcast producer, Gabriel Fass with Highland Productions. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Wednesday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.